Peter Williams from One O'Clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello and welcome to the Peter Williams Afternoon Show here on RCR Reality Check Radio. It is September the 11th. The day remembered as the day the world changed. Yes, it was 22 years ago today when we saw for the first time passenger aircraft being used as weapons of attack. Our lives are still affected by what happened in New York on this day more than two decades ago. Do you really think we would have to queue to get through airport security for a domestic flight if there had been no attacks in New York on September the 11th, 2001, something to ponder. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, I may have spent a good part of my working life reporting on sports and therefore have been required over the years to make plenty of predictions about the outcome of matches But what I said here on Friday, that is that we should not go into the weekend with high expectations for either the All Blacks or the Warriors, has turned out to be uh, depressingly correct. Both teams were thoroughly outplayed, and on those performances don't actually give me much hope for them to progress very far through their respective tournaments, the World Cup and the NRL Finals. The All Blacks should win three more games and make the quarterfinals at the World Cup. After that, uh, I am not confident. As for the Warriors, well, they have a home ground advantage uh, next weekend for their match against the Newcastle Knights, so we should back them to win that, despite Newcastle having won 10 matches in a row. And the Warriors will therefore make the last four of the NRL, but after that, who, who knows, after what Penrith did to them on Saturday night, Are they really, are the Warriors really in the same class as Penrith or Brisbane or even the Melbourne Storm? Sadly, I think the answer is no. As for those All Blacks, uh, where do you look? Two matches in succession, they have been well beaten in and even worse, they look well beaten in the quest for ideas about how to win games. Uh, Here is an idea for them, don't kick the ball away. Rugby is best to watch and, I think, play when players run with the ball in hand. And it's hard to score tries when the opposition has the ball. So when you have it, don't kick it to them so that they can then run with it. Uh, That's my rugby advice to the All Blacks for today. Unless they start improving soon, I can't see them being in the Rugby World Cup beyond the 14th of October, the day of their scheduled quarterfinal, probably against South Africa. Hmm. October the 14th is a very, very important day in New Zealand history because we must change the government that day. But, you know, I am not liking the winner of the other big match that day. Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to realitycheck.radio slash members and join now. Winston Peters just won himself at least a couple more percentage points in the election race after his speech in Nelson yesterday. The ultimate politician was prepared to say out loud what thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of New Zealanders have been saying for, well, 50 years. Māori are not indigenous to this country. 
Winston Peters is, by the traditional definition of the word, absolutely correct. Indigenous comes from the Latin word indigena, which means a local, native or Aboriginal inhabitant. The Oxford English Dictionary, which to me is the holy grail of word definition, says that indigenous means born or originating in a particular place. The Cambridge Dictionary says Indigenous refers to or is relating to the people who originally lived in a place rather than people who moved there from somewhere else, unquote. Remember, Māori did not originate in New Zealand. That is undisputable. But some dictionary writers over the years have changed the meaning of the word. The rather woke Merriam-Webster Dictionary describes Indigenous people as, quote, of or relating to the earliest known inhabitants of a place, and especially of a place that was colonised by a now dominant group, unquote. Oh dear. The use of the word has become highly politicised, of course, because if we accept that Australian Aboriginals are Indigenous to that land, and that Chinese and Japanese and Indian ethnicities are Indigenous to those lands, then Māori cannot by any stretch of the imagination be called indigenous to these lands. Yes, they were the original settlers, the original colonisers, if you like. The fact that there were no other inhabitants here before them is irrelevant in the context of this argument. The great Polynesian migration of the 13th century was a colonising expedition, making claim to land that no one else lived on. I know many claim there is archaeological evidence to say that there were other people here before Māori arrived, but that's never been properly verified, so frankly I am dismissing that. Therefore Winston Peters, he of the Scottish father and Māori mother, says that Māori come from Hawaiiki and, quote, we are not from here. Now, it's a line that will appeal to many in this election campaign, but it hasn't taken long for hackles to rise. Stuff reported last night that their reporter asked Winston Peters after his speech if that view might be upsetting to some. Uh, Winston was on the case real fast, referring it to, uh, referring to it rather as the truth. And he continued, I am from that background. We know we're not indigenous and we don't believe in bulldust. Uh, then he was asked about how his whanau would react to hearing his comments. Winston was in fine fettle. They believe in truths, not myths, he said. Uh, this is Winston Peters at his bellicose and belligerent populist best. The wet and the woke, of course, will be horrified, including probably Christopher Luxon, who just won't have a clue how to react. I have a suggestion for Mr Luxon. Just say Winston is right. You'll be surprised at how positive that reaction will be. Once again, Winston Peters has his finger on the political pulse like no one else. He would have gone to sleep a happy man last night. He'd upset the media and he'd been given even more campaign oxygen. And that just means more votes for him. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now.
Now to some of your correspondence received via inbox at realitycheck.radio or via text at 2057. In reference to the meeting in Wanaka a couple of weeks ago where Bob McCoskery spoke about the RSE, the Relationship and Sexuality Education Curriculum going on at many high schools around the country, uh, in particular at Wanaka's Mount Aspiring College where there has been some pushback against it. Uh, apparently the uh, chairman of the MAC board, Mount Aspiring College board, said, quote, it's a couple of kooky conspiracy theorist mothers. Nothing to see here. Hmm. I suspect it is a wee bit more than that. Uh, this text says, Peter, I know you have a personal vendetta against Liz Gunn, but NZ Loyal is totally against the woke stuff going on in schools. I don't know where you have that uh, idea that I have a personal vendetta against Liz Gunn. I certainly do not. I know her really well, of course. I used to work with her 20-odd years ago, and I spoke with her on the phone maybe a week, 10 days or so ago. Nothing against Liz at all. I just don't think her party has got much of a chance. And I'm certainly in agreement with them about this uh, woke stuff, as you say, going on in schools. Uh, this is from Paul. Helen Clark shafted the New Zealand populace when she decided that MMP should be the new voting format, ignoring the Electoral Commission recommendation of STV. Hmm, I don't know about that, uh, Paul. I don't think Helen Clark was that much involved in that uh, particular discussion we had in this country 30 years ago. Uh, Helen Clark uh, was not even leader of the Labour Party in 1993 because Mike Moore took Labour into the 1993 election, which is when we uh, held those referenda. Uh, there was widespread discussion about the merits and otherwise of MMP and STV and other proportional voting systems. In the end, MMP was the one that we understood the best. Therefore, that's why we voted for it. And I don't think Helen Clark was necessarily prominent in those discussions back uh, 30 years ago. Like I say, she was not even at that stage leader of the Labour Party. Now, here is another email from a regular correspondent, Rob of Tauranga. He says... Uh, to all at RCR, the current man burning on the stake of honesty is the media exposing expatriate New Zealand lawyer Thomas Cranmer looking to keep the New Zealand media honest through his Substack posts. A noble endeavour, indeed. In Croatian history, writes Rob, to thumb your nose at the powers that be, it was best represented by Gregory of Nin and a statue erected with the right hand in the air with one finger raised, but not in an obscene gesture. Gregory of Nin. The book was his fight with the religious powers at the time. Let's all raise the finger to those who would put us under the thumb. Yeah, that's a very uh, apt photo that you have sent, Rob, a photo of the statue of Gregory of Nin, who died in the year 928. The statue is in the Croatian city of Split. And there is Gregory of Nin with his finger in the air, giving the finger to the powers that be of the time. Maybe we should take inspiration from him on October the 14th. Uh, thank you for your correspondence. Inbox at realitycheck.radio or you can text me on 2057. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. I went to Morocco once 
To be honest, it wasn't my number one tourist experience. In fact, it was one of the more uncomfortable and disconcerting times I've had in a foreign country, especially in the old city in Marrakesh. Uh, you see, my wife and the people we were travelling with wanted to go shopping in the souks, the little markets in the old town. I have to say I lost interest after a while and decided that I would go back to the Riyadh or the hotel where we were staying. But I got lost in the souks trying to find my way out. When I did get out, it was on the wrong side of the old town and I was frankly horribly lost without a map. I couldn't have had a phone with GPS on me either and it was hot and it was dusty and I was running low on water with no possibility of getting any from a tap because, well, they just didn't seem to exist where I was. I somehow kept on walking and walking and eventually I got lucky. I finished up in the main square of Marrakesh and I found the Riyadh. I mention all that now because the places that I walked and walked and walked around on that day about a decade ago and was on the verge of becoming quite distressed about because I was lost, uh, they've all now been flattened by this terrible earthquake in the last couple of days. What's more, many of the thousands of faces I saw that day, people living in poverty and having only subsistence level existence, eking out a living, selling whatever products they could access from within their unsophisticated economy, those people will be dead. The concrete plaster buildings with no reinforcing and the crowded, narrow alleyways would be just a death trap when a 6.8 magnitude earthquake struck a few kilometres south in the Atlas Mountains. Those Marrakesh souks would just have crumbled. They're usually crowded with people, tourists and locals. The people in there would have had no chance as the buildings fell on top of them. I didn't like Morocco a whole lot. I didn't enjoy Marrakesh all that much. But gee, I feel desperately sorry for an old city that could just never stand a chance when Mother Nature rumbled underneath her. RCR is on a mission to revive Honest Media, and now you too can be an integral part of it by joining the RCR Foundation Members Club. Receive exclusive benefits only available to club members, including your own backstage pass to join the hosts for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions, along with our all-new daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes, that's delivered to your email box every morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, visit realitycheck.radio members to see how you can join the mission that's making a difference. I see the climate alarmists are at it again. The breathless headline in the New Zealand Herald yesterday was New Zealand's climate is going to take a rapid turn within weeks. The rapid turn refers to the El Nino system, which is due to hit the country soon, and which is likely to lead to a hotter and drier summer where fires and droughts could be commonplace. The irony was that as I read the story last night, it was just hosing down at my place in central Otago after a spell which was on the cusp of becoming just a touch too dry and during which the neighbouring farmers had switched on the irrigation pivots. But as I read the story, I thought to myself, so what? You just cannot do anything about the weather. 
What will be, will be. We cannot influence nature. If it is going to be a hot, dry summer, we just have to adapt to it. The article talked about the previous hot summers, hot, dry summers this country has had during El Nino patterns. Uh, Those summers were 1972-73, when New Zealand's highest ever temperature of 42.4 degrees was recorded at Rangiora on February 7th, 1973, as well as the summers of 1982-83 and 97-98. The Herald reports, actually, that the summer of 1997-98 had a horror event which cost the country hundreds of millions of dollars. The report doesn't say what the horror event was, but surely it can't be referring to those Auckland electricity blackouts which were caused by a hopeless power system and not by the weather. Otherwise, it's just a bizarre line in a somewhat bizarre story. My takeaway is, after reading it, it will be a hot summer. Gee whiz, you know what? We can't do a thing about it. And what's so wrong with a hot summer? Oh, and by the way, of the country's 10 highest ever recorded temperatures, only one has been in the 21st century. Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to realitycheck.radio slash members and join now. To more of your correspondence, this has come in from Daryl, Love RCR and the amazing team. I've heard Bob, as in Bob McCoskery, speak before, but felt yesterday was very good. This is referring to the interview we did with Bob, who was that Friday afternoon, and I wanted to listen again. Also, and some friends listened to it as well. Please keep up the good work. Keep safe and remember, as long as we are breathing, we can push for change. Ain't that the truth? Thank you, Daryl. Oh, this is from Chris. Peter, I've just joined your Substack, having read your article on James Shaw. I googled Shaw and found this on one side. Born in 1973 uh, in Wellington, James Shaw has a degree from Victoria University. He joined the Green Party in 1990 and in 1992 stood for the Wellington City Council. In 1998, he worked in London for 12 years in the consulting division of Price Waterhouse Coopers. While in London, Shaw also took a master's degree in sustainable development and business leadership. He returned to New Zealand in 2010, unquote. I may be barking up the wrong tree here, but it may be worth finding out where he got the master's degree from and was proof of an undergraduate degree Degree a requirement to enter the program. Does he actually have said master's degree? Kind regards, keep up the great work. Thank you, Chris. Uh, inquiries are continuing. Ian Wishart is leading the charge on this. Uh, the master's degree, the MSc, is from the University of Bath in England. It's a degree in sustainability or or something along those lines. Uh, I would have thought that you needed an undergraduate degree to be admitted to a master's course. Uh, Ian Wishart has the questions out about how did you gain admission to that course without an undergraduate degree? Anyway, the, uh, the questioning continues. James Shaw's credibility, frankly, is on the line. On the matter of James Shaw, he is qualified for naught, writes uh, our correspondent Hodes, yet he has been responsible for important documents such as the one noted below. I'll get to that in a moment. MFAT now needs to be held account and we need a leadership team that has the guts 
to put the pressure on them and their advisers. Please help and expose this document so the public is better informed. The MSM will not help. Bring on the best available science would be a great place to start. Thank you for that, Hodes. And you have included this correspondence, which says in part, MFAT also say uh, New Zealand will advocate for climate action consistent with the best available science. Uh, that, I doubt, will be the case if they follow their past record of ignoring the independent scientists and climate experts, writes Hodes. On page 12, item 34 states, the science, this is in this MFAT document, the science as assessed by the IPCC is unequivocal. This is a 39-page document signed off by the Honourable James Shaw, Minister of Climate Change. Well, if the IPCC science is unequivocal, James, and I'm sure other people will know of this as well, he should look at page 1016 of the IPCC's sixth assessment report, which says that the impact of methane on world global temperatures as per GWP100, the global warming potential over 100 years of methane, has been overstated by three to four times, up to 400% in overstatement. Perhaps James Shaw should take that on board when he is trying to tax farmers for the methane that their animals emit. Maybe that will change after the election when James Shaw no longer has his hands on the tiller. Thank you for your correspondence. My address, inbox at realitycheck.radio. You can text me at 2057. This has been the Peter Williams Afternoon Show for a Monday here on RCR. Thank you for your company. I look forward to talking with you again come Wednesday afternoon. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to realitycheck.radio slash members and join now.